is the Under Center Podcast. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Under Center Podcast. I am your host, Darimar, and I have a full house with me now tonight. Reen and Field Malloy and Al McGrath. Lads, how are you all? I haven't actually been on a show with all of you in a long time. It's mostly just been me and Jake the last few weeks. So, how have you been? Pretty good. good. We've been keeping the show going in your absence, uh, me and Fionn, <laughs> you know, on the on the Tuesday shows. No, look, yeah, it's it's been a while and I'm uh, happy to be back with the, the squad back together. Yeah, someone else gets to take over hosting duties. I think people are a bit sick of me now, so that would be a nice change of pace. <laughs> Never sick of you, Fionn. Never. Al's Al, going quiet. how are you? Al's going very quiet. Oh. He forgot how these podcast things <laughs> I was waiting. Waiting for something to go on. Uh, yeah, good. Good to good to be on with everyone. Full house. I saw uh, two lads last week, but I haven't been on with you in a while, Dara. Good to see you. I know. I know. I've been uh, I've been working in the lab, working on a few things, and uh, let's see if they 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 work out now for this. Um, but it's actually been quite nice. Now, obviously, Jake's not available this week because he, he said he wasn't going to be available this week if the Giants lost, and they didn't just lost. They got <laughs> pulverized. So uh, I don't think we'll see him now and probably until the draft this stage. But uh, how have you guys felt about the playoffs in general so far before we get into the uh, the specific games itself? You know, I guess it kind of helps or maybe it doesn't help that like none of our teams are in it. So we kind of just get to sit back, relax or not on, on the edge of our seat, worrying whether or not um, we're going to win a game or not. But uh Al, since uh, I haven't spoken to you in the longest time, I'll start with you. How have you felt about the playoffs? Um, lots of frauds. Um, the seventh seed, uh, I, I, I don't know why they made that a thing. It should be a thing. Like, great, the Seahawks got in. Cool. Shouldn't have been there. <laughs> you know, same for the Dolphins. They absolutely didn't deserve to be in the playoffs. And then, like, the level, even last week with the Bills, like, or this week even, with the Bills, like, they, they're not a playoff team. You know, they were good, they're, they're good during the regular season, but they're just, they can't oh, get harsh. out of their own way. That's harsh. No. You can't call, After them, last two you can't call a team that goes, like, 13 and 4, or is it 4? No, sorry, it was a 13 and 3, a non-playoff team. Well, they're not a non-playoff team, they're just, they're not a contender. <laughs> Like they would be if they could get out of their own fucking way for a second, but I think this has always been an issue with the league. There's always one team that squeaks in, even before this seventh seed came in. I think we're just like noticing it more now that they've changed the rules. But hey, look, there's always shit teams in the playoffs. Someone's got to do it. <laughs> but look, there's been there's been years where even before this extra person, that one team in the playoffs comes in with a next to losing record. So, like, it's nothing new to have awful teams show up in the playoffs. But I felt like it's been competitive. I, I haven't had an issue with the quality of the football, especially that wildcard round. Like you were saying, the, the games were competitive, at least to the first half. Some interesting turns. Now, fair enough, you might argue a lot of the favorites won. But I think I think they've been good football to watch. It certainly has been really dull games, at least from what I've seen. I'd also yeah. disagree with uh, Dara's comments that nobody had a horse in the race. We all had one anti-horse in the race, and that was the Cowboys. And they're gone now, so thank God for that. So we're all winners. 
that's a given though anytime the cowboys are in it though it doesn't matter whether <laughs> i don't it's one of those like unspoken rules like cowboy you just root against the cowboys them and the packers you know yeah. um but I, it's interesting they said like it, it's been competitive i felt like it's been a great opportunity for a lot of growing sides this year to get a bit of playoff action because like like we mentioned the seahawks and the Jaguars as well, um, they're two teams that come to mind straight away. They're teams that aren't ready to make a Super Bowl run, but the fact that they can get a taste of playoff action for a lot of their players would probably stand them in good stead next year. Absolutely, 100%. Like The likes of Trevor Lawrence getting his first uh, playoff under his belt, never mind playoff, he got a playoff win under his belt. That's going to be huge for his career moving forward. And if they can build that, squad around him it's really going to stand to him uh, if they do end up building like a Super Bowl caliber roster that he has this experience from the past and he can really kind of just lean on that yeah I think the Seahawks are probably the furthest team away uh, in terms of like kind of Al already mentioned maybe maybe the one that managed to trickle into the playoffs but all the other teams I would say outside the Seahawks got a real sense of even those teams that lost like the Chargers say they got a sense of where the team is lacking and really laid out a roadmap for where they need to improve for next season and to compete again for playoff spots, which I think is really good as well. It's not a whole bunch of teams that just kind of fell in. It's a lot of teams building and a lot of young teams building. Like Green said, it's it's great for the Jaguars to have got a playoff win. I think that bodes really well. They have a great quarterback. There's a lot of young quarterbacks coming in. Even the, even the Ravens, which probably had a, a poor game versus the Bengals, they didn't have their starting quarterback in. So they're starting to see a bit of depth. A lot of guys in the roster that can get the job done when it's difficult, maybe didn't get it done enough to get over the line, but certainly aren't going to be override by this occasion if they get into the playoffs again next season. Yeah. Uh, and before we move on, uh, I should mention that uh, if you are watching us on YouTube, make sure you like this video and you are subscribed to our YouTube channel. If you prefer to listen to us on the go, just search Under Center Podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. You'll find us there Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all of those sites. Uh, Twitter at Under Center Pod, Instagram at Under Center Pod as well, too. Make sure that you are. Um, following us on both platforms because when the season ends we will be starting coverage of the irish uh american football season two and um talking about that a little bit maybe as well going forward so uh the the content will definitely not uh diminish as this as the year goes on even as the season finishes to definitely be there plenty for there for you to listen to um i should say but lads i think we've talked enough about the playoffs as a whole let's have a look back at the weekend's games and we're going to start with the first game on saturday night and that was of course the jacksonville jacksonville jaguars losing in arrowhead to the kansas city chiefs 27 points to 20 of course the big story coming out of this game is the injury to patrick mahomes the high ankle sprain um he managed to tough it out and he missed most of the second quarter with Chad Henney that took over, which involved a, was a 96-yard touchdown drive as well. Uh, and then he came out for the second half and helped the Chiefs um, overcome the Jaguars in this game. But uh, Fiona, I'll start with you first on this one. Um, 
we kind of talked a little bit about the Jaguars and how this is a good learning experience for them in terms of the Chiefs now on, on, um, with this and we'll talk we'll look ahead to the AFC Championship later on in the game but your thoughts on the Chiefs performance as a whole in this one on Saturday yeah I think in the end they did well obviously Patrick Mahomes injury certainly stunted them a little bit and I don't think you could say they were running away with the game before that happened even I think it gave them a good test I think this Jaguars team is well balanced I think Trevor Lawrence can throw the ball. Travis Etienne can run the ball. They've got a decent offensive line to run that ball behind. And not a bad defense either. Plenty of pressure. They obviously were in and around the quarterback. That's how Mahomes got injured. Plenty of pressure. So I think this was a good experience. I don't know if the Chiefs have impressed me the way they've impressed me in other uh, postseasons, years gone by. I think it was an important win. I think you're allowed one scrappy win. We'll see what happens in the next round. I'm I still haven't got my mind made up whether or not they can they can get a victory now in the in the conference championships. Yeah, I, Sean, I don't. I'm... Sorry, I'll go ahead. Oh no, sorry. Um, I don't know that I'm totally convinced that the Chiefs would have won, even if even if um, uh, Mahomes had stayed healthy. I mean, he was obviously very affected by the injury. Um, it looked it looked pretty rough. But with uh, Jamal Agnew's fumble, uh, that was huge on the three-yard line. Um, and then on the next Jags drive, the interception. Um, I'm I'm not sure. Like it's it's one score in it. Like if if they got that score, if Agnew didn't fumble, it's 27-27. Um, and then you know who knows from there. I I don't know if it's a certainty they would have won, but I think it's uh, it would have been a lot closer than it looked. I think for me, it's kind of like uh, the the Chiefs seem to have a bogey team and it is the Jaguars, right? They have never really looked fantastic against that team. And particularly when you take away, like we all know how good Patrick Mahomes is throwing the football. But when you take away his mobility, like he scrambled three times for eight yards in the entire game. And that's really something that, you know, gets the, the Chiefs out of a hole quite often during games. So I think if he's fully fit, he adds that extra element uh, there in that respect. But yeah, like you said, full credit to the Jaguars. They put in a real performance. It didn't look like they were the absolute worst team on the day. Uh, and they put in a really mature performance, I think, uh, for what is a particularly young team. So fair play to them. And I want to see them back in the playoffs next year. Yeah, this game... Um, sort of brought me back to the Super Bowl game in in twenty twenty. Um, it was the the game that the Chiefs lost against the the Buccaneers. The Chiefs had uh Patrick Mahomes running for his life in that whole game with a turf toe injury as well. Um, and he had no O line to protect him against that Bucks uh, defensive line. This time around. Mahomes gets injured again. His mobility is gone. But what they have done since that Super Bowl is invest in that offensive line with the likes of Joe Tooney, Orlando Brown, drafting Creed Humphrey. That he has protection there so that if an injury like this where his mobility is gone, they still have the offensive line to protect him and which is going to be vitally important next week, um, which we'll get into a little later on against the, against the Bengals. But... Uh, yeah, with the Chiefs and 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 Fionn, you mentioned that um, you haven't been too impressed with them. I do think that there's 
there is an over reliance on Travis Kelsey. Um, I th- the the rest of the receiving group have not pitched in enough for me. Um, with the likes of Juju Smith Schuster, um, MVS, there's someone Sky Moore, their rookie has just fallen off the face of the earth after mm-hmm. what I thought was going to be a a good year for him. The running back, the running back situation though does offer uh, hope in this as well because Jarek McKinnon is a fantastic pass catcher out of the backfield. Isaac Pacheco, Isaiah Pacheco has really settled into the running back role um, there now. He had a good game as well on um, on Saturday despite not lighting up the stats board, still played very well and I, I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire just came back off in an injured reserve too so they have that there if needed. Um but like I said, on, on the, the Jaguar side of things, we mentioned it's a good learning experience. What do you think they need to do now in this offseason? And Reen, I'll start with you on this one. What do you think they need to do in this offseason now to take that next step uh, for next season? I think they really need to get a, a wide receiver into that offense, kind of one that will go opposite of Juju Smith-Schuster because I think we know that Juju Smith-Schuster is a very good receiver but he's a very specific receiver right he's a big body guy draws attention I think on the other side he probably needs a, a speedster and that is Valdez Scantling but at the same time he's not that like marquee name that you need so either draft a guy early to get opposite of uh, Juju Smith-Schuster or you know, go get somebody in the free agency because I think that's all that this offense is lacking. Like you said, they've improved their uh, O-line. They've improved uh, at running back with Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, and that defense is all right. Like, it's grand, but that offense is going to win championships. So in the draft, maybe uh, upgrade that defense, but definitely, definitely to improve that offense, they need to get another wide receiver. Very insightful, although I do think I asked about what the Jaguars need to do next. <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. Oh. <laughs> All right. Um... Copy and paste, but uh, with I, I guess, yeah, names. get a wide receiver would be a great thing to do. Uh, Christian Kirk is great, but he might need help on the other side. They do have Calvin Ridley next season. Yeah, if he can get rid of the gambling habit. Hmm. Yeah. For me, for me, I think the, the Jaguars need to get a tight end. I, I'm not a big fan of Evan Engram. He has played well in the playoffs, but you need someone who's going to be consistent. I know because I got burned and I drafted him in the fantasy, so I know how awful he was performing during the regular season. I'm still bitter about it, and I just think you need, you need that comfort blanket. Look at the other side of the game where Travis Kelsey got, Dara, you pointed out, over-reliance. He had over half the receptions for the whole game, for the whole every single person who caught a pass, he had over half of the receptions. So I think they need someone where at tight end, you can really be a check down to Trevor Lawrence because he's so good at throwing the ball deep and has such velocity to keep the defenses aware and on their toes. You need to be able to threaten deep and have that guy who's reliable underneath. And I just don't feel Evan Engram is reliable underneath. I'd like to see him catch a few more touchdowns. He did start to catch a few touchdowns there towards the end of the season. So hopefully if we can keep that kind of form running, maybe he can boost his what would you say, his value to the offense a little bit. But I think that's where it would, that's where it always go. I think they'd be a little bit disappointed as well. They didn't get any sacks. 
I said they they got a lot of pressure on Mahomes. I do feel like that was true, especially after he got injured. But given his lack of mobility, not to get him on the ground, not to officially sack him, that's going to be frustrating. Although it's not a it's not a particularly bad defensive line, so maybe that's more in a coordinator scheme type improvement that needs to be done for next season. I don't know, but that could be one area I think they might look at. Yeah, I think um, they definitely do need some more receiving talent. Um, I think a huge area that they need is their offensive line. Now they did they did perform reasonably well during the season. Um, you know, it's 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 not a huge knock on them, but um, in this game against what many people might consider a fairly poor um, pass rush by the Chiefs, you know they have Frank Clark, but he's he's been pretty disappointing for them. Um, Chris Jones, you know, yeah, yeah, he's he's actually you know their best bit by far uh, on the defensive line. Um, you know, Lawrence was under pretty constant pressure in this game. You know, he didn't really have time in a lot of instances to really sit back and, uh, you know, take some shots as he needed to. So I think that that should definitely be a place that they should look. And as well, maybe, um, you know, defensive line and secondary, I think needs a bit of work as well. Yeah, I'd fully disagree with Fionn, though, about the, uh, the tight end. Uh, Evan Engram produced more than most tight ends did this season, right? There's only kind of he like scored, four He guys. scored four touchdowns in the last three games of the regular, or last two games of the regular season. He had 16 yards and 27 yards. He's not a blocking tight end. He doesn't help the run game like that. Right, but they do have guys to fill in for those. Like Dan Arnold is quite a, a well-rounded tight end. And they have Chris Manhurts there as well, who is a full-on blocking tight end. So they can pull Evan Engram out of the game. When you're talking about tight ends who really contribute, you maybe have four across the entire league. I would say Kelsey, Knox, Andrews. Yeah. Outside of those three... Who's contributing more That's than what like I'm saying. 50 That's yards what I'm saying. You got you to go find a guy. But like you can't that. just go, think... oh, I, we need to find a unicorn. They don't exist. These guys but... coming out of college do not contribute until year three or four or five. Well, look, I'm looking at the wide receiver core. I don't think there's any problem with a wide receiver of Zay Jones and Christian Kirk on both sides. I think adding a third guy to that is also arguably a little bit of overkill when there's other things to be had. So, look, that's where I felt. You just want to add as many weapons when you've got a talent. And I think we both agree on this. Essentially, what we're trying to say is when you have a talent like Lawrence, you want to put as many good offensive hands around him that can get the ball and do some damage. I happen to think that might be a tight end production problem. You happen to think maybe a, maybe a third or a second uh, wide receiver would help that out, depending on how you rank those guys. But look, at the end of the day. We're brothers. We like to have a bit of argy bargy, but I think we're essentially saying the same thing. I just happen to think, like, oh, I think most of mine is coming from being burned so badly on fantasy. The man got about four yards on average. Can anything be said for bringing Tebow back? I mean, Absolutely. he he blocks about as good as Evan Ingram, and I'm sure there's some guy <laughs> that has a, a cut package, an hour-long cut package of Evan Ingram pancaking guys on the outside. But I'm telling you, the three times a year that I see Evan Ingram, he is awful to watch at the tight end position. 
Fair enough. We will move on to the second game on Saturday night, which actually went into air Sunday morning over here. That is the Giants 7, the Eagles. It says 27 on this. That is wrong. It was 38. So uh, forget about that scoreline there. Uh, the Eagles 38, the Giants 7. The Eagles made full use of their week off um, by getting healthy and game planning for this game. And um, I, I, I listened to the, uh, the PFF review of the weekend there. Um, the other day, and their first line of this game was, I can't understand, I can't believe how bad the Vikings defense must have been to allow this Giants offense to score as many as they did on them. Um, And I tend to agree, because the Eagles defense just smothered this uh, Giants team for the guts of three and a half quarters um, on Saturday night, um, and the offense just did what the offense has been doing all season. They can beat you on the ground. They can beat you in the air. And for Jalen Hurts, who said himself just before the game, who wasn't 100% fit, he sure looked like he was um, fit and healthy to me. But, uh, Rain, I'll start with you on this one. Um, your thoughts looking back on this game there of the Giants and the Eagles um, kind of kind of what we expected um, to happen. But, you know, when the playoffs, you always have these doubts about whether or not the, the, the form um, can continue. But uh, Eagles, Eagles go by, or Eagles progress quite easily. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the difference for me, just going back to what you said about how bad the, um, the Vikings defense must have been versus uh, the Giants, I think it comes down to the speed that the Eagles have on defense. Like Hassan Reddick sets that edge very, very well and their linebackers can fly to the football. And we really saw that in kind of uh, Daniel Jones's performance, right? He had 24 rush yards on the day where he had over 100 versus the Vikings. So yeah, once you can shut down that run game and kind of fly to the football versus the Giants, they don't have anything outside. Like I've said previously, they have a wide risk wide receiver core that has been built from the practice squads of other teams um so yeah look the the eagles had a job to do they did it very well they ran the football very very well i would be worried for anybody who has to come up against that rushing attack going forward um and yeah they got the job done in emphatic fashion yeah i i yeah, it was just, it was a beatdown. I was expecting it to be a bit more uh, competitive. I didn't expect by any means the Giants to win, but uh, I thought they might put up a bit more of a fight than that. If you're looking at some individual positions, there was there was some good performances uh, on the Giants' side, but um, yeah, it's just like, the Eagles are just such a good all-round team. They're, they're good in both sides of the ball. As good as their defense has been, I think they're a bit underrated. Um, you know, everyone's talking about the Cowboys and the 49ers, but like that, that Eagles defensive line is just ridiculous. And um Josh Sweat has had a really uh, good season and no one's talking about them. And yeah, just just a beat down. And the Giants, this is this is the game uh, that should uh, clue people in that uh, Daniel Jones. Uh, shouldn't be brought back. Get a quarterback. Forget Daniel Jones. He's out. No, don't listen to him. Giants, Giants front office. Don't listen to him. You keep Daniel Jones and you pay that man Dak Prescott money. But in fairness, I have to say, Rian, we were talking about that wide receiver slash receiving room in general over in the Jaguars. 
Holy God. I looked up the stats. Obviously, this is a late game, so I didn't get to see much of it. I looked up the stats the day after. I was like, oh, Daniel Jones only had 135 yards passing. I wonder, like, what was going on there in that wide receiver room. And I'm looking up the guys who caught footballs for the New York Giants in the playoffs. Some guy called Richie James. Never heard of him. Saquon Barkley was their highest leading receiver with two receptions. Or their second highest bigger friend. Then Matt Breida, the second running back, was your next highest receiver. See, already you're throwing the ball three times. Three times to your running backs. And they're second and third on your receiving list. And then you go, oh, yep. well, that makes sense. Must have run the ball a lot. No, Saquon Barkley carried the ball nine times. I just, did the... Did the New York Giants have the ball at all in this game? Did they have like four minutes of I don't understand where any of that offense went. The, but... the Eagles the Eagles shortened the game a lot by running the football. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But still, it, it was an embarrassing performance on the offensive side of the ball for the Giants. Yeah. Oh, I mean, quick shout yeah. out I forgot to I forgot to say is the Eagles offensive line, uh, in my opinion, is the best offensive line in football right now. Absolutely. And I don't think it's close. Um, okay, and it's gonna get right. the 49ers nightmares next weekend yeah well look it just if you want to give put some perspective on the game like the giants had 13 first downs to the eagles 26 mm-hmm. so like they have half the first downs that's the time of possession was 24 minutes for the giants and 35 for the eagles it just shows like that when you can run the ball well you can control the clock and you can keep your offense out there for so for longer and you see i do i do have sympathy for the new york giants because i see where they're going with daniel jones if he if you stop him fumbling the ball he doesn't throw interceptions very often and that's a very good attribute to have now you are of course risking getting stuck in that is he a killer can he win in playoff games when his team is slightly underpowered (laughs) i don't mind this game his team was way underpowered you'd have to be hercules to try and win this game and he played very well in the previous round. So there is that to be said from, but I think it's a, it genuinely is a really hard decision. I, I wouldn't give him crazy money, but I also wouldn't immediately say, let's get rid of Daniel Jones because you might be hunting for five, 10 years to find a guy who even just gets back to where Daniel Jones is. There's no guarantee the next guy you slot in is going to make the team any better, especially as we just listed with that wide receiver core. The offensive line's got a lot of, got quite banged up. I think they need to get a, they're healthy see if they can build some depth there but you can't build offense it doesn't really matter who you have under center it's definitely one of the more you know uh, underrated probably not talked about teams in terms of this offseason and what uh what they can do and how important it is that they make the right moves um because you would think that they're going to try and go after a big name wide receiver in free agency if not they'll try and draft one fairly high if they can um and that's the thing whether or not they keep daniel jones is now that's the thing if they can get him to a reasonable number which is team friendly i think he would accept that too i don't i i don't think he's one of those that thinks himself that he should be getting the mega books they should be mm-hmm. getting a Mahomes style deal, which is just not going to happen. I think he's realistic to that, and if he is realistic to that, and he plays ball with the team. There's every chance he can come back next year. He's shown this season he works well with Brian Daybold. So, if he, why would he want to move for the chance of a few extra books in a different uh, team? And he's not guaranteed that the team that he's going to be going into is going to be that good of an environment because teams that overpay free agents 
um, are never normally good environments to play in. Yeah, and right. again, who's looking for a guy like Daniel Jones? Who's looking for that conservative quarterback that can just take care of the ball, maybe get a few first downs with his legs? and just The Tampa Bay not- Buccaneers? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers is a good shout. That is a very good shout. I don't think there's any guarantee that uh, Tom Brady doesn't retire again. Now, whether he stays retired, that's a whole other question. But do you know what I mean? Teams like the 49ers, they have guys that can already do that. The 49ers now have two guys that can do that. So they are probably looking to ship one or the other of Garoppolo or Purdy on, I would imagine, at some point, trying probably Garoppolo to get his get his contract off the books. But you know what I mean? I think I think there's not a whole huge market what out there. If- Sorry, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't mean to stop you mid there, but what if he stays in New York and goes to the Jets? That's not a bad. That is another one. I have to say, in fairness to his lads, you picked out two good teams there. That's a good shout. Now, are they willing to pay the money that New York wouldn't? Or is that, are they going to offer more than what New York, the Giants will? That's what I don't know. I'm sure the Jets, they love doing crazy, wacky things. They might go big money. He's definitely an upgrade from uh zach jones that's for sure uh i i will say on the books um aren't they like 20 million over cap or something um, who's this the books probably i don't i don't think oh, they have a you lot know, of okay, know, they, they're gonna have to yeah. they're gonna have to make cuts upon cuts upon cuts yeah they're, yeah they're like half of that team is gonna be good like the books don't count they just put it all into <laughs> money over cap and all this stuff that it's irrelevant they'll keep everybody <laughs> I did, I did hear really. though Saquon Barkley's going to sign on a team friendly deal. I heard he's not looking to reset the market. I heard he's already turned down a deal. He was ah. offered about 12 million a year and he's already after turning it down. He turned it I mean, down. He's the best offensive yeah, player they have. He said, I won't take yeah, that. Damn, whatever he wants. Give me half that and a hoagie and I'll be happy. <laughs> I don't know. Like that. It's. Go ahead. Sorry. I was like, isn't McCaffrey on uh, like 25 a year? I think it is a bit insulting to say 12. Like, he obviously doesn't want to reset the market, but also pay the guy what he's worth, you know? I think you got to go 20 and you got to do like four years. Yeah. Guarantee at least half of that. You got to guarantee 40 million. Or just get rid of him. Run him back. Or just don't. Yeah, just cut him now. If you're not going to trade him off before you. Before you get another one declined and everyone starts smelling the rat and saying, oh, he, they're going to cut him now. Like, before you start airing out all your dirty laundry of these contracts and saying, we don't want to pay this guy, trade him. Get a whole heap of first round draft picks from him. Would you, though? You would. Oh, I think you would. I, hey, if you I'm watching you, like, I'm giving yeah, you a two contract. first round you draft picks. You get two. You can't. Oh, true, yeah. Does he not oh, have trade a year left on it? No, is this is the like last contracted year. through next year. Why I would they leave it this the late to, to contract to, to get a contract sorted then? So I still think I still now. think they I still think they have doubts over whether or not he's uh the longevity is there. Oh um, Jesus. He, like he has Washington. had a, he's had he's had a serious injury already. That's Give true. Him Twenty million is right now. So you never know. But um, look, there'll be plenty of time to talk about the Giants and whether or not could that um... boom wins. <laughs> <laughs> Give us Saquon money. Here you go, we go Wentz. We get Saquon oh. to throw the ball. You waster. He's still not turned the ball over as bad as you do. They're still paying Kenny Galladay twenty-one million next year. 
Oh, God. I love... You know what, lads? Do you just remember how excited Jake was to make that happen? He manifested that for the New York Giants. Although, I think... I think they'll cut him because uh, it's only 6.8 mil in dead cap if they cut him. And they'll save 14.6 million. So, I think he's gone. They definitely aren't trading him. Who would have thought the team with the dodgiest owner at the moment in the NFL would be the third worst run team in the NFC East. Oh, Mara, get out of here. <laughs> and Gettleman fucking crippled this team for years, didn't he? Did yeah. he really, though? He did, though. That's he drafted Jones. He drafted Saquon. Yeah, exactly. He drafted Jones. <laughs> that, it worked uh, well was that, this three? Who else came out? Who came out after Jones? And I hate doing this where they're like, oh, yeah, well... In hindsight, everybody's better than everybody else. But, yeah, okay. Like, it's different when you're talking top 10 picks, like, though. That's true. Hold on. That's, I think we spent 15 minutes talking about the Giants, who <laughs> lost very badly this week. If you think this is bad, wait till we get to the Cowboys, Ryan. That's going to be an hour-long special. We don't, we don't <laughs> want a candle to Stephen A. Smith, but, man. We'll spend, we'll spend half an hour on Dak Regresco. Um, Regresco, so you want to... he was good at some point. I'm trying to I'm trying to look up here at the moment the uh, the 2019 draft that was uh, that was Daniel Jones's draft so he was drafted uh, number six overall that year okay um, that was the year Kyler Murray was drafted first is, overall is this Lamar Jackson did he go after Daniel Jones uh, Lamar no that wasn't oh, that wasn't that oh, year okay that, uh, the 2019 uh, QB class is pants. Yeah. Yes, it is. Oh, because, so that's, oh. I was. This is a, my roundabout way of kind of defending Gettleman a little bit and saying, well, he didn't pick the worst. <laughs> like it was <laughs> the best of a bad bunch. Well, I like the the next uh, QB that was drafted after Daniel Jones on in that year was actually the Commanders. They draft that was the year they drafted uh, Dwayne Haskins, and then the one after that was in the second round. That's when the Broncos drafted Drew Locke. So, ah. yeah, yeah, not the best. Uh, they couldn't QB have done class. much better than Daniel Jones, I have to say, if they were looking for a quarterback. Yeah, no, no I'll, I'll give them, I'll give them a mulligan on that one. Yeah, they get they made the best out of a bad bunch for sure. Uh, but we we'll move on. Get, do you know what they need to do? Go ahead. They need to buy a few of them. Uh, Panthers sphincter jug machines and get them useless wide receivers they have catching the ball without even needing to turn around. Just get that thing wedged up between your cheeks and get down the field. Stop messing around, fannying about, throwing the ball to the running backs for four yards. Shake that thing up there, that sphincter, and off you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, Viper Fion there now is just giving you his thoughts there on that. <laughs> we'll move on to uh, Sunday's games. And that is not the Sunday's game. This is the first of Sunday's games. Probably the biggest shock of the weekend as well. The Cincinnati Bengals going to Orchard Park and not just beating, but destroying the Buffalo Bills by 27 points to 10 in a snow-covered um Buffalo, New York. I saw one of the stupidest sport takes I think I've ever seen in my life there just today on this game. The Bengals had an unfair advantage because it was snowing and they wore all white. Never mind the luminous orange helmets that they have. That's fucking... That's fucking... uh, You can't see the ball in Lamar Jackson's hands all over again. Fuck off. 
it's Manchester United circa 1996 or whatever when they changed jerseys at halftime. Yeah. So see each other. Oh, oh man, just, that's ridiculous. It goes both ways, doesn't it? Like. If if the defense can't see the offensive players, neither can the fucking quarterback. So what is the difference? Well, quarterback had no problem throwing to him. He absolutely did not. He had no trouble at all. Joe Burrow has um put a, a wedge in what everyone thought was going to be the AFC championship game between the Bills and, and the Chiefs, which was gonna happen in uh what was it in Mercedes Benz Stadium? Was that the one that's the uh, one in Atlanta, Atlanta yeah, I think it, it was Atlanta, Atlanta yeah. they settled on, yeah. Yeah. And Joe Burrow had the perfect line post game interview he says better get those refunds out to the league. That um I think and that was the sort of chip on the shoulder that the Bengals sort of not that they needed, but it was a little extra motivation because the the, the league were already making plans for a build and chiefs. AFC Championship game. They were selling tickets for this uh, neutral venue, um, and then the Bengals just go in there, upset the apple cart. Um, on both sides of the ball, absolutely destroy the Bills. And I spoke about this with Jake in our preview last week. That a big issue for this game for the Bills is their lack of pass rush since Von Miller has gone down and had and it proved that this week. And because the Bengals dominated both sides of the ball as well. They gave Josh Allen no time. And then they, in, on a patched up Bengals defense or offensive line as well, the, the Bills defensive line couldn't get close at all. But Al, I'll start with you on this one. Um, Joe Burrow and the Bengals now toppling the Bills. Fionn mentioned, or you mentioned, sorry, that the Bills are not playoff teams, are not a playoff team. And, Look, looking at this scoreline well, and this performance, people would think that you are right, but um, uh, nonetheless, can't take credit away from the Bengals who put in a fantastic performance on Sunday. Yeah, I'll, I'll walk that back a tiny bit. I, I'm more, I'm more meant that they're not a, they're not like a contender. You know, they, you know, they, they had a great regular season. They got 13 wins, um, but just they, they can't get out of their own way. Josh Allen, um. 25 for 42 and no touchdowns. Like, awful, awful performance. And then that goal line meltdown. Uh, one of Tredavious White's two pass interference penalties, 12 men on the field, and then um, offsides in a row. Like, just stupid mistakes, stupid penalties, bad play. Like, the, the better team won. The Bengals didn't just get lucky. Like, they played better. They deserve the win. The Bengals beat the Bills. But, like, at the same time, the Bills beat themselves with these stupid, stupid mistakes. And that's that's why I don't think they're contenders, you know? It's just, it's such frustrating football to watch. Well, I feel like the Bengals kind of beat up the Bills. I, they really kept, smacked them really hard on defense, and they were running really physically. Uh, like, they have a great running game. And I think as well, another thing that came back to bite the Bills, that we've kind of said this several times in one way or another. They can't get the run game going consistently. We thought they showed flashes of it there towards the end of the season, and it just couldn't get going at all against the Bengals. The Bengals managed to keep Joe Burrow clean, and when you keep Joe Burrow clean, he's a very dangerous quarterback. There was a lot of talk before the game 
about a lot, all the injuries on the offensive line. They thought this might be a massacre. Yes, we already commented on the Bills without um, what's his name on the outside. What's his name? Dari, you just said it. So on on the Bills, the, the Dave Davis. Oh, sorry, uh, Von Miller on the outside. Von Miller, Von yeah, Miller. without Von Miller, yeah. he is the closer. We've seen how effective he's been as well. Some people scoffed when he signed, but he has done exactly the job that the Bills signed him for. So not having him wasn't great, but by all pre-game accounts, this was going to be a massacre for the defensive line for the Bills against a banged-up Bengals offensive line, and not only was it. The opposite, they kept Joe Burrow clean, only one sack. They also ran the ball all over them. And we all know in a snow game, if you're the one who can run the ball more effectively, the yards are there. You're the one that can run the ball. That's how you're going to win these games. And then Joe Burrow was so clean. I loved his first touchdown to Jamar Chase. That kind of effortless flick as he looked like he was going to break out at full speed. I thought that was really good. And you just can't give Jamar Chase that kind of that kind of time, that kind of room. He didn't go for outrageous numbers, but the completions that he did get, I think he over averaged over 15 yards of reception, 12 yards of reception. He he averaged like that's a killer. You can't give up those. A lot of those are for first downs, and you know where the ball's going. It's when they have to have it, it goes to Jamar Chase. So uh, I think it was. I do see the disappointment that Al was talking about, but I was really impressed by the Bengals. Yeah, same here. Uh, and before I say anything about the Bengals, I want to say I'm really glad that they won this game because this was a ploy by the NFL to take even more playoff games away from the fans, right? If they had this in a neutral venue, the NFL would start talking about what a great success it was and end up going to a neutral venue for all of these uh, divisional games make it a bowl game atmosphere. But we've already seen what they did to the Super Bowl. It's now just a corporate fest basically no fan or true fan can afford to get a ticket you have to know somebody to get there uh so yeah i'm delighted that they don't get to host a game in a neutral venue and i hope it stays like that going forward but yeah moving on to the bengals absolutely incredible performance just touching on what we've said about von miller as well uh tony romo when he was doing the commentary kind of highlighted that before Von Miller was out, they were a top 10 rushing defense. And after he went out, they were bottom 10. So even though he is like a pure pass rusher or so we think, he has a great effect in the run game by setting that edge and everything like that. And if you on that first touchdown that you mentioned to Jamar Chase, I absolutely love that play call. Lining him up in the backfield, forcing a linebacker to go on him. Like that was game over. As soon as that happened, game over. Love that touchdown. What did you make of the Stefan Diggs antics at the end of the game with with Josh Allen? It seemed to be the cameras panned to him. He seemed to be throwing up his hands in the direction of Allen on the sideline, who just had his head down. And I don't know if it was him giving out. I don't know if that was him trying to, you know, encourage the rest of the team, saying that they're not out of it yet, even though they were three scores down and they were definitely out of it. But you know, people automatically then go back to his time with the Vikings and doing the same thing with Kirk Cousins when he was, you know, ticked off with Kirk Cousins because he didn't feel like he was getting um, thrown the ball as much as he wanted. Of course, he in this game itself, he, he didn't have the greatest game either. And one, obviously, that meant, obviously, that means a lot of winning your out, four receptions for 35 yards. Um, he was targeted 10 times, though. So I don't know... A few of them were Aaron throws. A few of them were obviously just good defense as well. But 
what do you think of, of Stefan Diggs at the end of the game? I think we're making too much out of this. I like they're passionate guys. He's given out to his quarterback. The quarterback gives out to them as well on the pitch. Like it's just how it goes. They're they're a great team. They're not used to losing 13 win season. So it doesn't go down very easily. On a really high level sportsmanship level, would you like to see it? No, probably not. But in terms of egregious, outrageous things we've seen on the football pitch, I don't I don't rank this anywhere near a big deal. It's yeah, difficult like, as well when you're looking at from a, like an outside perspective. We don't know what was going on between the two of them. They could have been having a conversation about anything. I mean, it probably was about Josh Allen's performance and maybe it was justified. But at the same time, it's it's difficult to sit here and make speculation about what who was in the wrong or whatever because we really don't know what was going on in the situation itself. Shit happens in sports. You know, people get heated. You're going to have arguments. No, nothing's ever going to go perfectly for the whole time you know it happens it's nothing nothing you've mm-hmm. seen games where teams are getting blown out and the winning team are still having arguments on the sideline over small things so it's nothing yeah and briefly then um just give me one position group that you want to see the bills improve um, in the off season <laughs> uh, i know the easy one is defensive line but i'd go offensive line because they they had a lot of injuries and they just they weren't good enough uh this year you know obviously defensive line is a need but uh offensive line keep josh allen clean have him run less uh, i think they have too much of a reliance on him running and i know he's big and he can take the hits but how long will that last so yeah i'm gonna go running back I, I'm a fan of Devin Singletarian, but I have to admit he, he has never really taken on that role of a top-notch starting caliber running back. I really thought James Cook would come in and perform similarly to his brother. He has not got any of the touches that I thought he would get all all throughout the season. Maybe he's developing. I don't know what's going on in the in practices. But yeah, I think that's somewhere. I don't, I don't know if that's an easy fix. I don't think it is. I think those running backs at the moment are a little bit hit and miss coming out of the draft. So if you can, if you could choose, like Ryan said for my tight end, if you could if you could pick a unicorn for this team, I think you would pick a unicorn at running back. I think that's where you would put your your guaranteed superstar if if we had the ability to pick one. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with um with Al on this one and say O line. Um, I'd say that their defensive line is good enough to kind of get them by, maybe take someone second round, third round over there. Uh, running backs, they're a dime a dozen. You can hit gold in the sixth round. So don't be drafting number one overall or your fir- first round pick as a running back uh, in this situation. Wait until the later rounds. But yeah, the, the position of most need, I feel, is that offensive line. Mm-hmm. I tend to and agree. Get rid of Cole Beasley. Way. That'll that'll improve the team as well. <laughs> it could. Um, I think the I I would say the offensive line needs the most work, but just for argument's sake, I'm going to say the defensive uh, line. I think that they need someone there opposite Von Miller. Um, it doesn't have to be a stud, but if you can get someone in the draft, or you can get maybe a not an A-list, but maybe a B-list sort of pass rusher as well that can help on the other side, that can also uh, get attention to help Von Miller when he comes back next year. The running back position, 
they've tried a few different running backs this year. They've also brought like they brought in Naheem Hines, James Cook, Devin Singletary was there as well. Matt Breida was there last year as well. I'm not sure whether it's a if it's just a player issue or it could just be a scheme issue. I think maybe that just not enough work is being put into improve that running um running game i think they're happy just to let josh allen do everything and i don't think that's the right thing to do um i think that they're gonna have to change it up now if that is means oc ken dorsey and, and sean mcdair come up with a, a new scheme over the off season if ken dorsey is still there if he doesn't get a head coaching job although i feel after this weekend he probably won't but um we'll see um and like i said we'll have plenty of time to talk about it in the offseason when it comes up, especially to the draft. The last game of the weekend, the Dallas Cowboys 12, the San Francisco 49ers 19. Fionn, I'm not going to say much more because I can see the smile on your face with this scoreline. Tell me, what what did you think of this game? Yeah, look, it's I'm not going to go, I'm not going to bang on to be brutally honest with you. If you want someone to go and razz the the Cowboys, just go Stephen A. Smith. He seems to love doing it, and no one can do it as good as him. But uh, look, everyone loves to hate them. They have a, a very good team this year. I really do feel like we discussed this last week, and I also put it up on the Twitter as well. I feel like Dak Prescott is that killer where he's just good enough to make the playoffs and just not good enough to make the wins. And I think as much as you might argue whether he's overrated or underrated, as I said to Rain, I don't think there's any argument that you could say that he's underpaid. I think he's by far overpaid. He's paid quarterback Super Bowl winning money and he hasn't done it and he hasn't shown like he's been close. They haven't made the Super Bowl. That's their first playoff win in a long time as far as I'm aware. So I think that's a real struggle. And it came down to, as I posted on the Twitter, it came down to who could keep the ball clean. And he has suffered badly. I think he's got the most turnovers or joint most turnovers of any quarterback in the league this season. He threw another costly interception this game. Brock Purdy kept his nose clean, played well. And I don't think us celebrating Dak Prescott's failure should take anything away from how good this 49ers defense is. And how good this 49ers offense is. They found a way to win against a very, very, very good defense. Just on the overpaid, underpaid situation with Dak Prescott, I take anything Fionn says with a grain of salt. He goes out and says Lamar Jackson should get that bag. He's nowhere near reaching the Super Bowl. And yet he's talking about $200 million guaranteed on his contract. Yeah. It's kind of do it yeah but he's looked nowhere near getting them to a super bowl at any stage in his career so i understand when you get to a position and you think you have the guy you gotta stick with him and pay him the money that you think he's worth it maybe hasn't worked out so far for Dak prescott and it may not work out for whoever pays lamar jackson down the line but at the end of the day you've got to put all of your eggs in that quarterback basket and hope for the best because when's the last time a nobody qb has won the super bowl outside of nick folds um with the eagles that was a bit of an anomaly but colin kaepernick won it Oh, that's true, yeah. But that that's like ten years he, ago at this stage. He had a great he had a great season that year as well. He wasn't a yeah. one hit wonder in that season, but yeah. But look, uh on this game specifically, yards were very hard to come by. Both of these defenses are very, very good. And I think this could have been a different game if the Cowboys actually had a kicker. 
because Brett Maher missed his extra point on the first uh, touchdown in the game. And then they were going on fourth down from kind of 40 yards out, say, which would have been like a 56-yard field goal. And if you have a really um, kind of reliable kicker to make that field goal, I think this this turns into a really different game. They could have jumped out to a 10-point lead to start the game. And that makes it different, right? In a game that points and yards are so hard to come by. So, yeah. I'm putting this loss all on Brett Maher's back as opposed to Dak Prescott. You leave the Maher I, family out of this. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't have a ton to say about this game that hasn't been said. Um, but I will say this could have been a completely different game. Uh, Brock Purdy absolutely should have been picked off twice. It was two gimme picks that were dropped um, that would have given... Uh, the Cowboys another couple of scoring chances, one from midfield. So, um, it it could have been a different game, but then again, you know, same goes the other way. If Dak didn't get two interceptions, one I think was a bit unlucky, uh, kind of bounced into Fred Warner's hands. But you know, it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you make? Of that, what is it actually about the Cowboys facing the 49ers in the playoff game that causes their OC Kellen Moore to come up with the stupidest play calls in existence? Last year in the playoffs, they run the ball with 14 seconds left and no timeouts with a QB QB run. They have no time to continue to play to lose the game. This one, what was it? Zeke snapped the ball to Dak, who threw it. And we gave Kirk Cousins a lot of shit for this when he did it last week for the uh, the Vikings. He threw a short of the line again. He did. He threw, threw a short of the line the game in this one, and he nearly got his wide receiver absolutely killed with a poor pass as well. What are these play calls? The only thing nearly... I can think of is they had two offensive linemen and a wide receiver in behind, but I guess they just didn't move when the ball was snapped, and that's why he threw it to the random like slot receiver that was out on like did you guys like does anybody know what they were actually trying to do there well i i would understand if they had an actual center in to snap that football but with zeke snapping the football all they had to do was rush one guy and he absolutely <laughs> flattened him on the play so jack had no time to let that play develop at all i don't know what that was about Never the mind, Panthers he... earlier on in the week declared that they were going to be uh, interviewing Kellen Moore for this for the uh, head coaching job, and I was buzzing. I think he is a great play caller. And <laughs> then that fucking happened, and I was like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> I, I think they just lost this. his plane ticket. They're like, Oh, did we not send that to you? Oh, uh, sorry. Oh, Zoom link not working. Oh, you must have put a number wrong. Sorry. I I don't get why there's so many. Is. I don't get why there's so many coaches in the league that just think they're smarter than. Everyone in the room, everyone, and just call on a screen on third and 14. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that on the line. Um, like you're not smarter than everyone in the room. That's a fucking ridiculous call, Kellen. Just like run like fucking four verts or something, empty backfield, whatever, anything but that. Like, short again, short of the fucking sticks. Why are you having a route go like behind the line to gain with five seconds left? What are you going to do? The only thing I'd say with, with Dak on that play is 
the stupidity of the fact of having Zeke as your only pass blocker um, and the fact that he can't do that and he was bundled over straight away meant Dak had to get rid of the ball straight away. He didn't, he couldn't, he didn't have time to um, let the play develop. Uh, yeah, I think okay, the play call just... is designed to be a really freaky screen, but even that couldn't develop because they, it, like he just had no time, no time at yeah, all. Yeah, I I also feel like when I watched it, like I said, I feel like the it was supposed to go either left or right, or like to one or the other, and I feel like they didn't react. And once they didn't react, that was like, well, well, I gotta throw it now, and they weren't ready, and he just like flung it down the pitch to whoever was standing there. So. Yeah, look, that is um, another year the Cowboys go without making it to uh, even a championship game, let alone a playoff or let alone a Super Bowl. Um, so we're all delighted for that, which is great. Um, less delighted the fact that it was the 49ers that are progressing and looking like they can make it to the Super Bowl. That's just from <laughs> Wine and Al's perspective. But anyway, um, the interesting no, right. story, though, the, did you see... Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into that in a minute. Um, two pieces there that I want to ask about before we move on as well is, first of all, the story that came out, I think, before the game on Sunday, that the 49ers are planning to go ahead with Brock Purdy next year, meaning all the all the picks and everything they gave up just to get Trey Lance is now all for nothing. Uh, your reaction to that, and secondly, why uh, this was also another thing that D'Amico Ryans is getting head coaching opportunities, getting head coaching interviews. Why are teams organizing interviews for D'Amico Ryans on the day he has a game in the playoffs? He canceled two interviews on Sunday. I think one was with the Panthers, the other one was with the Cardinals or something like that. Or maybe the Texans were involved. Um he cancelled two interviews on Sunday. There is six other days in the week. Why are you scheduling an interview Why with the right on the day he has a game? Why did he oh, take I'll tell you, two Darren. interviews? What was he doing cancelling them? He should have said it. No, he didn't. He didn't no. actually take them. He declined them. But I'll tell you why you 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 um interview somebody on a Sunday. It's because you're woefully mismanaged. The fucking Panthers, <laughs> right? They have David Tepper's wife on their selection committee okay and one thing that you need to do to be on a selection committee is do the fucking diversity training do you know who didn't have the diversity training done david tepper's wife how does that so, even fucking happen so rain's, you rain's need, trying to you say women don't know anything about well. football and he's disgusted they will no, be involved no, they're just the racist that's all no no <laughs> but um <laughs> oh, what i'm call, saying is <laughs> how how do you allow uh, <laughs> How do you allow somebody on your selection committee to have not completed one of just the most basic tasks to be on a selection committee? Ridiculous. Nepotism. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Do we know if the um, selection committee for the selection committee had uh, the training? <laughs> Man, this is it. Well, the selection um, for the selection committee was David Tepper, so hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> so... On the original question, um, if they continue with Brock Purdy, um, everyone, including Shanahan, should be shot into the fucking sun. That is just the most epic mismanagement of resources I've ever seen. If you trade three first-round picks for a quarterback, 
and then like fair enough he's been injured um but like and then you just decide hey this guy that's been playing no better than jimmy garoppolo uh we'll just go ahead with him fuck our three first round picks right like what the f- and I, I still I I, I I think I think this proves the point that I was right about the whole uh, draft situation in the first place. I think Shanahan wanted Mac Jones and John Lynch wanted Trey Lance. John Lynch got his way because he's the GM. Kyle Shanahan never wanted him. And now he has another guy who actually is kind of plays in a similar way to Mac Jones. Doesn't move a lot. Is more of a pocket passer. I think Shanahan is getting this and he's he's giving the fingers up to John Lynch saying, I was right all along. But well, I mean, in doing this, sorry, go on. Sorry, go. Yeah, just like it's it's just maddening to me. Like that in itself should put both of their jobs into question. If they both agreed to trade first round picks or three first round picks for uh, a quarterback that they don't agree on, that's ridiculous. Like they 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 their jobs should have been called into question there and then. And now that they've traded those three first round picks and they're gonna they might go with Purdy, that is ridiculous. And they that's, I, think, I think you're all Shanahan's a great mind. coach, but that's ridiculous. You're all losing your mind. <laughs> oh, they spent three first round picks to pick Trey Lance. But why why do you spend three first round picks? Why do you try and get a quarterback like Trey Lance? It's to get in to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. They're one game away from the Super Bowl with the fine, the guy they picked last year last. So as far as I'm concerned, they trade three first round picks to get re- one step away from the Super Bowl. Whether or not that player is responsible or not, that's what happened. I think that it's it all worked out the same. If Trey Lance had brought them to this point right here, we'd all be going, what a genius play. Who cares? Trey Lance is a waste. Who cares? You also it'd be different if you spent your next three and you just keep mortgaging first round draft picks till you hit in the first round. The round system is so overrated. The last guy being picked is unbeaten in seven games, has won two playoff games, is one game away from the Super Bowl, hasn't thrown that many interceptions, has thrown plenty of touchdowns, doesn't need to run with his bo- with with the ball in his hands to be good. What more do you want? Who cares where they picked them? Who cares if you gave away your first round draft picks? Why? So now you can't pick Trey Lance next year. Should I pick the best quarterback in the last the last pick of the seat? Like, who cares? It's a it's a fair yeah, point. I, but I just I, I just the, the, the whole process to get here, like is just I, I, yeah. I genuinely get where Fiona's coming from. Brock Purdy probably has looked like a more capable quarterback in the short time that we've seen him versus Trey Lance in the short time that we saw him, particularly within that 49ers scheme. So I understand where Fiona's coming from. If I was in that uh, kind of coaching staff, I would 100% at least be giving Purdy a chance to win that starting job for next season. I would not be saying we're rolling with him right now, though, because basically what you're doing is advertising is Trey Lance going cheap. So second round pick might get him. Or if they're looking for first round picks for him, why would anybody do that? He's been beat out by a seventh round guy. So why would you? why would I give you multiple first round picks for a guy who has proved he cannot get into that 49ers team. So I disagree with saying this out loud, but give Purdy the opportunity to compete for that job because he's absolutely done enough to compete. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. I can I can agree with that. Fair enough. 
Well done, Fionn. You convinced us all. Fair play to you. Doesn't happen very <laughs> often, but <laughs> <laughs> well, we are going to take <laughs> we're going to take a look ahead to this weekend's games in the next uh, for the next few minutes. But before we do, if you are watching us on YouTube, make sure you are liking this video and you are subscribing to our YouTube channel. To um, this that is the place. To be, I should say, for all of our shows and all of our upcoming shows as well and our off-season shows as well because we have a lot of cool things on the way in the off-season. So you will want to say stay subscribed to there so you will see all the shows as they come along. If you want to listen to us on the go, same thing, Under Center Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast. That's where you'll find us. Subscribe to that. You can listen to us on the go as well. And then follow us on our socials at Under Center Pod on Twitter at UndercenterPod on Instagram as well. They are the places, so if you want to interact with us, that's where you can do it as well. But like I said, we're going to have a look at the AFC and NFC Championship games this week. We're going to start with the NFC Championship. That is the 49ers who we just spoke about traveling to Lincoln Financial Field to take on the Philadelphia Eagles in a matchup that I think it's the best possible matchup we could have gotten in the NFC now this year. The Eagles very dominant on the with the running game. The 49ers very dominant in stopping the running game as well, which is going to be an interesting battle. Um, a very d- dominant 49ers defense against, uh, and especially front seven up against, like you mentioned, Al, probably the best offensive line in the league of the Eagles. Uh, Fiona, I'm going to start with you on this one. Uh, what are your areas to look out for in this game and your thoughts overall looking ahead to Sunday? Yeah, I think for the Eagles, in if this was last season, I would say, okay, the Eagles are in trouble now because I don't trust Hurts throwing the ball. But having seen him play this season, I think he can definitely get it done through the air. And I'm a little bit worried after seeing how Ward performed against DK Metcalf. He's going to have to go up against one of the two top wide receivers in the league or at least left in the, in the playoffs at the moment between, um, what are their names? AJ Brown and Smith. Yes. Devontae Smith. Smith. No matter which one he covers, he's going to have a headache. So that's going to be a problem. The 49ers, if they can run the ball and then I think lean a little bit on George Kittle as well. I think we, me and Rian spoke in the wildcard game. They didn't lean on him too much. They, tight they ends. brought him in tight ends. Like we said, he's, he is, as Rian said, one of the only four good ones in the league. So I think if you lean on him a little bit like they did last game, I think that could be an area where the the Eagles might be tested in a way that they haven't been tested so far. So that's my two keys on the offensive side. Defense, I think these are two fantastic defenses. Like I said, maybe the little chink in the armor goes against the 49ers in that ward. I'm not sure how comfortable he's going to be going up against those stud wide receivers. So I think at the end, I don't want to. I think my heart says 49ers, but I, I reckon the Eagles are going to win this game. Yeah, I I... I'm very much in the same boat. Um, I think it'll be close. Uh, I think the Eagles do win, though. Um, I think just overall, they're better. And especially at the quarterback position, Brock Purdy, as I said, has played good. You know, plenty of credit to him. But, you know, let's not give him too much credit. <laughs> he he is playing in uh, one of the most stacked offenses in the league. Um, and I think, as especially against a team like this, I think... Uh, he might struggle a little bit more. Um, yeah, I think I think the Eagles' offensive line 
is just kind of they're just going to have that little extra you know Hertz is going to have a bit more time uh, Bosa will be handled more um, Armistead inside will be handled a bit better um, and I think the running game for the Eagles has been uh, excellent so uh, I think just overall I think they're just a bit well uh, better put together I think the Eagles will squeak out a win here yeah just kind of echoing what Al said I think this game hinges on my main man <laughs> big rooster Brock I know that's exactly what that sign meant when your man had it up um <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it's it's going to depend on how he plays in this game, how the nerves are going to affect him. Uh, he's obviously not going to be able to like nickel and dime it, rely on the run game in this one because the offense that are playing opposite him are that high-powered, score-quick kind of guys. Uh, so they're really going to need to score points in this game. They can't have like a midfield battle, punt it back and forth because we know that the Eagles are going to end up scoring points regardless of how good this San Francisco defense is. So it will come down to how well he plays. Can he avoid mistakes? I think in terms of talent level, San Francisco probably have the better all-round squad, but Brock Purdy is that wild card. And from the start, I have kind of been on his side, and I think I'm going to remain on his side. I am going to go with the 49ers in this game to reach the Super Bowl. Okay, interesting call, interesting call. One interesting battle in this game that um i'm fascinated by and i'm going and i'm looking ahead to and I'm especially i'm going to keep an eye on is we have talked about um how good nick bosa is uh, i think 18 and a half sacks in uh, the regular season was the sack leader the next person on that uh 49ers defensive line were with uh, the next in the list of sacks is eric armstead and can any of you guess how many sacks he had? 28. Four, like six or something? Five. Five. So it shows me that if you can shut Bosa down, you can shut that defensive line down. And I think the because Bosa is... For the most part. With rookie tackles. <laughs> um... I think that if you can do that, you stand a good chance of giving your quarterback time to find passes. And like Fionn mentioned, the secondary is an issue for the 49ers. Um, and with the weapons that the Eagles have on offense, um, that it could give them the time to pick those passes, like we mentioned. On the other side of the ball, we have a team that with Brock Purdy that likes to get the ball out quickly um, or of course, we'll run the ball with either McCaffrey or Mitchell. Their offensive line is okay. You know, Trent Williams, of course, is an all-pro. Fantastic left tackle. Outside of that, you know, they're okay. But you have the Eagles who have four players on that defensive line that have had 10-plus sacks each this season. They get to the quarterback. They get to they they get past their blocks. They They can beat their blocks. It's easy to say that a game is going to be won in the trenches, but this is one of those games that's going to where you're going to win or lose this game. And I think that's where I'm going to look at. Because I, I think that the Eagles' defensive front is better and their offensive line is better, I'm leaning towards, yeah, an Eagles win in this game. Um, I know that... Uh, Bailing out on your Super Bowl pick. 
I know. I know. Well, my other other side of the Super Bowl is gone, so I might as well just jump ship now at this yeah. stage. The Bills yeah, are gone. True. So um yeah, I just I think that the Eagles, especially with home field advantage, and I think that's going to play a part in this game too. I think they're gonna have just enough to get through the 49ers. I actually think it's going to be a similar enough game to the Cowboys game where it's going to be two dominant defenses playing really, really well. So you might not get the highest scoring game, but I still think it's going to be a very fascinating watch. I'm leaning just for the Eagles on this one. Um, let's move on to the AFC Championship. Um, by this stage, we'll know, by this time we kick off, we'll know one of the teams in the Super Bowl. So the Bengals and the Chiefs will know who they potentially will play in Arizona. Um, it's a repeat of last year's NFC AFC Championship game, which of course the Bengals came from behind to win. Um, in dramatic fashion. The big question, of course, is going to be leading up to this game is Patrick Mahomes, that high ankle sprain, what's it going to do? I have a very strong suspicion that either, one, he doesn't play, or two, he's going to share reps with uh, Chad Heine in this game. I don't think it's going to be just Mahomes. I don't. You you can't come back from an ankle sprain, a high ankle sprain like that in a week. You just can't. As too many people have said that this injury is a couple of weeks. Um, also, the fact is, like, if you do put him out there for the full game, at what cost? Because he will only make things worse and you could actually hurt him even more for the Super Bowl where he's out of it. So I think either he'll share reps with Heine in this game or potentially he may not play at all. But um, I'll start with you, Reen, on this one. What's your thoughts ahead of this game? I think whether or not Mahomes plays for the Kansas City Chiefs is probably a less big story than these Bengals. Like, they're probably the hottest team in football right now. Whether or not Mahomes plays might not even make a difference. I really fancy the Bengals in this one simply because of that high-power offense. And Joe Cool, he has got ice in his veins. He looks like there, nothing ever affects him. He could get sacked 10 times in a game, throw three interceptions, and he'll still have the same facial expression he did that he was starting out the game with. The guy is just a machine. And I really fancy him to win fair few Super Bowls in his career, particularly if this Bengals team keep that core around him uh, and he doesn't get too greedy with the contract because we see sometimes these quarterback contracts make it difficult to keep core talent around. So, yeah, look, I'm looking forward to this game. It should be excellent. But my opinion is that Bengals offense is going to pick apart that Chiefs defense. Yeah, I uh, yeah, that's pretty much uh, my my feelings on it is um I think regardless of whether Mahomes plays or not, I don't think this is going to be a particularly close game. Uh, just because the, the Chiefs defense is not and has not been reliable uh, through the whole season. Um, and I just don't think they're going to be able to keep uh, this offense at bay. I mean, they have Joe Mixon, P. Ryan, um, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Tyler Boyd. And like... They can't stop all of them. And they're all, I mean, Jamar Chase is much better, but I mean, they're, they're all good enough where you can target them and they're probably going to catch it if they're open. So I don't know. I don't, I don't see it being a close game. Happy to be wrong. 
because I don't want to blow out any of these championship games, but watch Fionn say that the key is Hayden Hurst in this game because no no in fairness to me <laughs> to me I'm just gonna copy what Dara said in the about the last game. I think the key is in the trenches here. The the um the Chiefs are ranked second in sacks in the regular season behind the Eagles. They're going to need to put pressure on on Joe Burrow, but we saw the same thing was expected of the Bills, and it didn't happen. So if they can hold up the same way they did against the Bills, that'll be promising for the Bengals on that side of the ball. On the flip side, I think the Bengals are the second or they're the third-rated lowest sacks in the league. And if you've got a Hubbley Mahomes or a Chad Henney in a quarterback, you have to put pressure on them. That's how you're going to get them off rhythm. <clears throat> off base the running game can be powerful for the chiefs but we've seen that they can't rely on it they can't go 100 to the run game with pacheco he's improving but he's not there yet and i think if you force them to go to the run game that's going to be a problem for the kansas city chiefs so that's where i see both of these teams going i think especially if Mahomes doesn't play i think the Bengals win I tend to disagree with Al a little bit. I don't believe that if Mahomes plays, even if he's hobbled, that it's a blowout by any stretch of the imagination for the Bengals. I think the Chiefs can keep it very close. They've plenty of talent. They've got uh, Travis Kelsey. They've got great play calling as well that can keep it dynamic, especially if they're preparing for an immobile uh, Mahomes. If any team can put together a large package of plays that can take advantage of that, it's the Chiefs. However, I don't believe that Mahomes will be fully healthy. I am more inclined to think that he won't start or play any role in the game. So I'm going to go with the Bengals to win this and make the Super Bowl for a second straight year. Yeah, I think we're going to see something similar to what we saw in last year's AFC Championship game with this too high look that the Bengals did against the the Chiefs to sort of, you know, nullify the explosive plays um, and made Mahomes sort of run with the ball more. And especially now this week, if he does play, he can't run with the ball. He won't be able to. So he'll have to do it. I think it'll be a lot tougher for him to, to progress up the field. So I'm going to, I'm, I am leaning towards a, a Bengals win. I think nonetheless, whether Mahomes plays or not, you're not getting a hundred percent fit, 100% fit Mahomes. You're not getting a Mahomes that's going to break out and extend plays like he normally does, which infuriates infuriates opposition teams. He's going to be standing in that pocket, and if he does move, it won't be for a lot. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that the Bengals have just clicked such at the right time. Um, I think that, uh, like you mentioned, all their weapons that are there, uh, including Hayden Hurst, including, don't forget him. You can't forget him. Um but yeah, I think I think we're going to see a Bengals and Eagles Super Bowl. And to be fair, you know what? I'm all here. I'm here for it because it's a Super Bowl that doesn't have the Rams, which is great. It's a Super Bowl that won't have Tom Brady in it, which is great. So it's just different, and that's what I like. It's going to be different this year, um, and that's what I'm looking forward to. And Kansas City, I guess, because Kansas City have been in what two of the last three Super Bowls as well. So you know, something different. You know, that's what we want to see—a different matchup. Um, but that is our review and, you know, a preview, I guess, for the, the AFC and NFC Championship games this weekend. Lads, as always, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. 
And one more time before we let you go, if you haven't already, like this video on YouTube and subscribe to us on the subscribe to the channel. Subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts, under Center Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever. At under Center Pod on Twitter, at under Center Pod on Instagram as well. Um, make sure you follow us on all those things. But um, and we hope you enjoy the games this weekend. And until next week, when we look back at them, stay safe and we'll see you soon.